Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hanfler and Michael Sidgwick. Here to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also NXT, Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and the round of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on rest culture, as I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to AEW Dynamite tonight. And Michael Sidgwick, the go home show ahead of blood and guts. And considering the fact that they could, you know, sort of rest on their laurels a little bit and say next week's going to be bonkers, yet another stacked card from AEW. Indeed, they've got such a book and philosophy now and such a range of established and over and promising and interesting talents that honestly, because they've already done the work over the course of however many months, years at this point, to a degree, it's kind of got to be easy for Tony Khan now. We've got like an actual playground to work within <laughs> of talents that are over, groups that are over, guys in the groups that are over who don't get as many matches and who aren't exhausted in the eyes of the fans. Like, if you do the work, you make the rest of the job much easier for you. I think this card is an example of that. There are matches here that really could have headlined um, edition of Dynamite when Orange Cassidy was way hotter, for example. Um, yeah, a fun, more than a great-looking card. Though there's one match that I'm seriously interested in because it's something more different to what we've seen on AEW this year. But for me, it's all about that blood and gut sell. Yeah. Um, we'll get to it specifically and how we think it should go, etc. But I've loved the build and have understand why it's spluttered somewhat because of the desperate need for Tyson. Basically everything other than Tyson and nursery rhymes has been great in this build, but because it's been so short of this latest chapter anyway, I think they need to send it over the edge with something killer. Yeah. It's the, um, the EFED or the EWR gag about Tony Khan has reached that point where he's wanting to put a few through few weeks through on skip, but he's like established such a large varied roster at this point that he can. This is one of them skip weeks. So I was like, you know, check the results now, just do an autofill. And I've got like so many over talents at this point with various lingering feeds that I can easily knock together a dynamite before the next week that I actually want to concentrate on. Like it does feel like, like an embarrassment of riches period 
for the the AEW roster. It's a nice, um, it's kind of a nice response to the criticism, certainly one I've had at times, of uh, there are episodes sometimes where there's a lot of people on and that whole, that philosophy of like, there's so many people to try and get over that none of them do. Um, I think this kind of argues, this bats that back a little bit. Mm. Um, I believe it. I do honestly believe there's some weeks where I feel like I'm supposed to receive somebody as a bigger star than I do, but I kind of feel like, right, so on the next thing, there's a lot of energy and a lot of pace, but a few things get lost. But then in previewing, it becomes easier to talk about the stars. You get the, actually get to give them the time to talk at matches and why they're fighting each other, even the most basic of programs here that we're going to talk about. Very few of these feel like they're just plucked out of thin air. Um, and yeah, like, is that? It's quite. It presents quite a nice contrast to a one-match show next week mm. to have so much here and what you'd imagine to be the same the week after Blood and Guts as well. Another card probably just like this because they've shown um, in the Mike Tyson weeks of the Pinnacle um, in a Circle feud and in the extended weeks of added Dynamite's pre-revolution that they very carefully map out what's going to happen on every single week. So this would tell me that it's not just this week we're looking at, it's the week after Blood and Guts, mm. um, where you'll see more of a, of a card like this because it won't just be, oh, no, like nobody just decides on the back of the cigarette packet, oh, should we just make this one match show? That'll have been carefully thought about, mm. and then they'll build around and after the fact. It's 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 a cool time, I think, to be invested in so many characters at once. The only real issue AEW has is there's just so many factions. All the thick people just go keep up. Uh, but in all, <laughs> in all seriousness, no, seriousness, though, I was looking at this going, where's the trios match? There's no bloody trios match. Of course there's a trios match. Nightmare Family versus Factory. We'll get into it in due course. Uh, before we get to the parlay, just a quick word on ratings, because we said last week, look, it's going to go down. It's going to go down from the first unopposed week with Tyson, et cetera, et cetera. A pleasant surprise, I have to say, on last Thursday night when it was, I say it, well, when I say only, I mean only a drop of, not only 1.1 million people watched, but it was, yeah, 1.1 million, uh, 0.37 in the 18 to 49 demo. Um, a, a positive sign that for, for AW. Indeed. And we talked last week about how John Moxley didn't wrestle on, the sh- on that show. Chris Jericho didn't wrestle on that show. Kenny Omega didn't wrestle on that show. It's a number that reflects well on the booking and how well they've done to establish various stars. And, you know, this is AEW. It reflects well on how well those stars have got over, like, using their own agency. I would say that last week's number was more impressive than the first unopposed 1.2 because it was more of a reflection of where AEW is at Hmm. as an entity rather than where unopposed competition is. It's like a night, if you get my drift. Like, it just proves that the way they build stars, the way they encourage stars to get over on this expressive platform is in fact working. Have like your There's an en- yeah, same really. There's an energy at the moment, I think, where, and this happens, you know, this is a cliche for wrestlers, let alone ratings and storylines and everything else, but there'll be that feeling that you're only as good as your last number. Um, but the last time that was the case was probably when Dynamite debuted and the drop-off was bigger and steeper like from week one to week two to week three. Um, I don't have the numbers to hand, but certainly in terms of total viewership, um, the drop-off was larger. And I, the demo last week, remind me of the demo from last week's? 0.37. So that was probably about where AW were when they were running opposed. To, you know, like, so, or it, like, even though the, like the viewership has only dropped slightly, the demos remain the same, missing all those stars that Sidgwick just listed. So like, not I don't want to undermine last week's number, 
But like, it'd be nice to think that if that holds now for the next sort of two, three, if the demo is the same, maybe there's a clue that the viewership is going to be about that. It's going to be about that 1 million, 1.1 million with the odd spike for something like a blood and guts. If they're, if, if a million, which for so long was this bizarre invented stick to be AW with, imagine if a million becomes the basic, like sort of expected figure every week. What then will, what then will people look for despite the fact that TNT will still be looking at a figure that's double what they first expected? Will it be Raw's ratings? It'll be held up to next. Like it's just that, that feels like an unbelievable, like weekly average to be looking at. Seeing a million 1.1. I know last week I was a bit of a prick on the review. I was like, let's go for 1 million and 18,000 just to have it over that line. They sailed over that, you know, they sailed over. See, the, the, the dissenters had nothing. Like that, they're armed with nothing because that number's so solid. Unlike the underpants of these incel virgins, the goalposts will be changed constantly <laughs> throughout throughout all of this. Right? They will just not as good as raw. Yeah. <laughs> not as good as the attitude here. And they're just they are crying and wanking at the same time in a cesspool of depravity and we should not give them oxygen. It, it, Sometimes it, it, funny to give them oxygen. <laughs> Gets the point with that. Well, not as good as the opening weekend for Avengers Endgame. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we'll start, obviously, with this this parlay between the inner circle uh, and, and the pinnacle. Uh, I'm going to start with your thoughts on this, because me and Sid did a whole, whole podcast about uh, Blood and Guts, which is, you can still check out what culture dressing wherever you get your podcast from, uh, from, from last weekend, plotting out what needs to happen, not just tonight, but obviously next week's uh, one-match show. And Sid fantastically booked how that would be laid out rather than, I don't know, 90 minutes of wrestling, basically. But yeah, the parlay tonight, uh, Hamflet, uh, you talked about the recovery for the establishment of the pinnacle and the, the feud between these two last week. Uh, this is just dotting the I's and crossing the T's, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, my gut always goes to like heat for stuff like this. It's a go-home show. It's the last stage. But if I'm honest, like for one thing, I'm constantly trying to like like readdress my expectations of how AEW books. Like I, I want to be, I want to have some of my thoughts confirmed and then equally as many surprised. Um, and the fact that it's a one-match show next week is building up all the time in the world for heat and all the time in the world for seeing the pinnacle beat down, like bloody one of the baby faces or for, I don't know, Sammy Guevara's fiery comeback, you know, picky faces, picky heels. Whereas had this had been one match on a cut on a regular dynamite, I'd have been like, let's have some more heat this week. Like they, my, my gut now says they should probably be saving absolutely everything till next week. Um, I thought the pinnacles half of last week's chatty stuff was very effective, very effective. Um, having like Chris Jericho give MJF a free hit with that like nursery rhyme last week makes the quality promo volume, but I don't think I need violence. Like honestly, prior to the one match, one match show thing, I was, I was like really thirsty for a good pinnacle beatdown. Now, like I'm thinking, save the majority of it. Get a few licks in tonight, maybe, but save the majority of the worst for next week. I was fascinated by the blocking of this segment. It's a parlay. It's going to feature both factions who ostensibly hate one another in the ring at the same time. My idea to sort of explain away the invisible wall, because there will be an element of that. It's a very wrestling thing that is accepted. And you can have it. You can have it. You can just... Just don't take the piss with it. Don't have John Cena individually do stand-up com- 
routines on the goddamn <laughs> Nexus. Because, like, why aren't they getting pissed off? He is abusing them. There are seven of you. Go and chin him, you <laughs> tossers. You know, that won't happen. This is AEW. They are aware of such concepts of the invisible wall, and they don't not think about them as this ridiculous contrivance to facilitate absolutely terrible patter. I would maybe like one little line from Chris Jericho being the senior guy in all of this to say, look, let's save it for TV with the ratings gods and demo gods and ratings rulers. Like we've got a fight to sell. So, you know, be professional about this. Let's make some money next week or whatever. Just a nice little thin explanation. And the more heavy the hands get, the more deeper the cuts, the stiffer the shots, then it might explode into action. Uh, I've got no idea how this is going to play out because it stands in such contrast to every prior week of television in which these two factions have decided like they are going to try and kill each other at the earliest opportunity at the, in the closest proximity, like bloodshed of like a really quite gruesome stripe will like unveil itself. And so I'm really interested, basically what I'm most hyped for about this promo is that I'm not saying that MJF and Chris Jericho don't just write boy poppers, like great insults, great lines in their sleep. But if they've written A+, and I think MJF's already given A+, the nursery rhymes weren't A+, but Chris Jericho's first promo was A+. If they've written like an A++ gag, like it's getting saved for this parlay. Mm. Absolutely. You don't give away your best material on night one or night two. You do it when you're selling it. So... I expect something really quite great from this, like in a way that I don't think people are prepared for. What about to counter the issue of the invisible wall? You have a visible wall. So the inner circle come down to the ring, but then the pinnacle arrive on the stage and MJF explains that the parlay is going to happen from there. And then a bunch of people just bring out like a mesh wall halfway <laughs> down the ramp. So like there's, there's this physical separation between the two and then gradually they get close to each other, separated by mesh. And it's like screaming through, a visible wall of some description. I don't hate that, but I hate it in WWE when all of a sudden there are more ladders than usual like <laughs> under the ring. Yeah. Or, oh, why is there a chair there? That's because I'm setting up a chairs match. Yeah. It might be a little bit contrived, but no, it's fascinating. I'm expecting something great from this, though. I'm still confused as to why not having a, a convoluted ladder match to decide who gets the advantage uh, for, for Blood and Guts, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, why isn't that on the show? Um, but I, I, I think I think partially it can be explained away more so now with with the not necessarily normalization, but awareness of, you know, the the UFC MMA style press conferences, face offs, etc. that they don't have to come to blows. But like you say, it's just going to escalate tonight. I've said the line that, is, that I've come up with. It's the only contribution I can bring to it. Something along the lines of MJF saying, well, you know, you Busted Dax up. We'll bring the blood and Jericho, you can bring the guts quite possibly. <laughs> it's right there. That's it's such right a good there. line. I'm going to give you it twice. That's a very good point about the UFC thing. Mm. But so, uh, I don't think, think wrestling fans are trained to accept that two parties who are ready for a fight, it's traditional sports, you mutants. <laughs> it's traditional sporting context to have those two people talk trash to promote it like it's all gaga it's all bullshit i don't think wrestling fans particularly the pedantic ones quite understand that so maybe just an open acknowledgement of this is what it's about and this is why we will talk to each other 
calmly and rationally, Maxwell. Like that kind of patronizing note yeah. from MGF that'll just air uh, from Jericho that'll piss MGF. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, contain your brutes, and he references Wardlow or something like that. Do you think this is, it's mad to suggest this, that this might not be the main event, but I mean, you could arguably say this could be the main event as like the see you next week sort of thing. They could put this earlier on in the show and they could do Hangman Page versus Brian Cage, FTW champion versus the guys on this mad winning streak, or they could put the TNT championship in the main event. What do you reckon, Sige? Um, Traditionally, these Jericho segments go top of the hour. It's mm-hmm. a big time like people just finished watching one program. So that's going on with this AEW that I'm sort of on the fence about. I'll watch some weeks, not every week. So that's why they are positioned there. Um, I think that the last time I can remember from my memory anyway, is when they didn't do that was the reveal of the pinnacle in the first place. Uh-huh. So I think that being the last time they didn't main event with a match has set a precedent for some kind of like, Unreal shock slash cliffhanger. Don't know if it functions quite as well, but like I've loved the brawls between the two stables. Like I think they've been like incredibly well executed. I think they've been creative without really feeling like this overthought masturbatory stuff. So maybe like I've they've done brawls to finish dynamite before back before selling full gear. If we can get something on those levels where I felt like Nitro's back, this is tits, <laughs> then yes. Maybe. This angle is headlined before, hasn't it, as well? Remember the SNL birthday thing with the credits rolling? Yeah. Like, they've they've not been afraid to use this storyline as a main event segment as well. I'd like this to go on last because I'd like... We talk about go-home Raws and Smackdowns all the time, mm. and they're not booked them like go-homes in about 20 years. Like, it's just this expectation that, like, feels dead because WWE have abused it. It's never like, here's the big angle tune at the pay-per-view on Sunday. I just quite like it if they said if it's really hot and then it's like here's the big angle can't wait till next week as Cedric kind of alludes to Tony Schiavone screaming about being out of time like I'd like go home to mean more it's something else that'd be nice if AEW restored I remember that go home for full gear and just the memory of them doing the invisible wall and Mm. Matt Jackson with the facial expression conveying there's no invisible wall here. Yeah. I'm not going to get hurt if I run into nothing. So I'm amped up and I want to fight. And that's how it went off the air. It was magic, like a perfect skewer of the things that WWE do. Something in that vein would be welcomed. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the, leave it, leave it. He's not worth it. He's not worth it. Yeah, okay. No, one more time. I'm going to kick his head in. <laughs> like that sort of thing. I love that. Um, you mentioned the Young Bucks there. I, I assume, I don't know, maybe they're going to open the show. It's the Young Bucks versus the Seidel Brothers. If the Seidel Brothers win, they get a, a shot at the AW tag team titles. There are souls now, Hamlet. I'm really looking forward to this. <laughs> um, the Young Bucks bow as heels the other week was just absolutely sublime. Um, the problem was, is that there was such a such a focus on getting to that Young Bucks heel turn that we sort of lost the magic of the, the Phoenix pack build. Um, the match itself was tremendous, but it definitely lost something because the focus was clearly on something else. I kind of wish this had all been done in reverse because at least just strictly watching from Dynamite, I can't speak to what might have been built on being the elite or whatever, but there's not much about this. If anything, it's about the Young Bucks getting to just patronise Matt, especially within an inch of his life. Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty good flyer, they say, ruffling his hair while strapping up the Dior wrestling beats. You know, it's just like, it's, you know, you've done pretty well in this business, kid, trying not to slip. Like, I, like this 
I kind of wish was the first go of the Young Bucks as heel champions, as like tag team exhibitionists more than they are tag team wrestlers at this point. Um, lots of flexing, lots of lots of stupid stuff. Uh, I don't know if you um, after last week's attack on like by Moxley and Kingston. I don't know if you start to uh, bring that together now. So you, the Young Bucks win. Obviously, they win. Um, and then it's just as simple as Moxley and Kingston being out there in the ring with them, making them get serious because Kingston's been like lying on the ramp, selling a dead ankle until last week. And now he looks fighting fit and Moxley's in the mood to get a new title. And, you know, there's more of the heels and there is the baby faces. So it like looks brave of Moxley and Kingston to try and like make a charge on them. You could even keep Matt and Mike Seidel locked into it for like an eight man. It's a fairly easy eight man. If you want to book it as, you know, in a couple of weeks time for a dynamite with Matt and Mike Seidel as the baby faces. I think the match will be good, but I think this is going to be more of the young books, brilliant flexing in a match that suits it more than the pack and Phoenix one did. I'm into the match. Of course, I'm into the match. I'm into the idea of the Young Bucks, who incidentally, like, what I love about them reverting back to PWG books of, like, 2012, an an amazing act, like a revolutionary act. But it doesn't feel like, yeah, crisis melodrama, we're trying out, isn't working, let's just do something old, because they're literally, they're they're richer than they've ever been. (laughs) It's got (laughs) chandeliers on their heads. Like, it's just, it's a perfect, (laughs) a perfect tweak that is so germane to what they're doing in this wider storyline. I mean, the idea of the books doing their backflips into a back scratch bollocks, which will just feed the appetite for some actual high spots at which like Matt and Mike Seidel are demonstrably very capable of doing that. I like how they'll structure, structure all this. It'll be great. I'm not into the idea of this being an eliminator match. Because the next time they do it, when this one clearly Mike Seidel aren't going to win, it's going to lose this little added wrinkle of drama that they've stumbled into because they do do very predictable matches. That's for the betterment of the overall product. Decisive, kind of predictable results are the norm on this show. And I love that. Why wouldn't you want something that makes sense? I'm worried that they're going to abuse this particular wrinkle to get around that because the idea is the books we've seen Jurassic Express, Best Friends, um, SCU in the stands. They've gone through the number fives. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston haven't teamed together yet, and that seems to be the direction for Double or Nothing. Like I know from watching the show week to week that there is zero shred of a doubt about this result. Sometimes that is often the case, but this one in particular feels like no chance. There's not enough time to do this match because how do you then get to Moxley and Kingston versus the Bucks, which is the clear double or nothing direction. I like Hamlet's idea. The super elite kill Matt and Mike Seidel. And it's so cute because over on Dark Elevation, which is firmly canon where BTE's kind of quasi, Kenny Maker's been feuding with the Seidels alongside Nakazawa. So I like how that's been um, intersected. Dovetailed is mm. obviously the word there. And if they get a super elite beat down on the side aisles, that can draw Mox and Kingston, maybe because they're running low on time. Moxley beating one of the books in the eight-man can get them the match because they're running out of time to such an extent that I just can't possibly buy a side aisles victory here. But, you know, in minute four, 
when those spots are escalating in the way that only books can do that, then it'll, I won't give a toss. Yeah, just, just as Hamlet was talking there about them mocking uh, Matt Seidel, I just thought last week, I think it was when they were doing the the oh the desperate reach to the baby face. Oh no, bollocks! The wrong corner. I can just see them going up top and doing the whoa, whoa, and then <laughs> yeah, like, that'd be awesome. Something like that. Um, just a quick word on Omega, as you sort of alluded to there, Sige. Uh, do you reckon he, sh- he shows up tonight? I mean, this is tape though, this one, isn't it? It's convoluted because the impacts happen on Sunday and then this tape. He, regardless, he's going to be unbearable. Just a quick word on him. Even if it's a throwaway sentence, which I imagine it to be, if you want my um, more in-depth thoughts on this, you can listen to a podcast we recently recorded on all things Kenny Omega and Impact, which you can access on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I just think he's a two-promotion guy, and the two shall not rarely meet. Um, If that was the case, I would have promoted that match at Rebellion. I like the idea of Kenny Omega just being a, it's just so funny, Kenny Omega NWA champion they know the power of that oxymoron. It is hilarious. It is as hilarious as the Hackenschmidt. Like, gosh, they know that certain people hate the idea of those names being in the same conversation. It's wonderful. It works beyond the whole meta thing as well. But I just think you get a throwaway line. I'd like to see him where the AW title belt already goes above his tits. So the AW title belt there, the triple a one on his face and the impact one on his head (laughs) a muffled promo that you can't even hear because he's simply wearing too much gold can we leave can we have a belt by his chin and a belt by his head to leave a gap for the aviators so you can just see the glasses in (laughs) between still can't hear him (laughs) hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help 
a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Lots more matches to get into uh, for tonight's Dynamite. Uh, let's get on to uh, Page versus Cage Hamflet. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Hangman Page on an absolute tear, obviously number one contender and just beating everyone in sight. And uh, well, he, he had a, a great match with Ricky Starks last week. And this obviously was alluded to off the back of that. Another victory for, for Page here seems seems the most logical progression towards, well, I don't know if they're going to go for double or nothing for the world title. Who knows? I like this because it rhymes. And I'm not just saying that because it does, but also because I wonder if this is somehow going to bring in Christian Cage as well for the nod that their names also rhyme. Um, it is looking like they are setting up Hangman Page as an Omega opponent very soon. Maybe as soon as double or nothing. Doesn't feel right to me. It feels like all out. I've long said I actually want Kenny Omega to beat Hangman Page at the first attempt. So maybe they're going for both. I don't know. Like it's just, it's hard to imagine Page gets another shot. But like, I kind of want him to lose his first attempt at Kenny's title. Um, but I like the idea of a Page-Cage alliance starting as a result of Page versus Cage. Uh, Christian's got this long-standing issue with Team Taz. Christian Cage and Hangman Page sort of represent this great coming together um, of what it... Like, there's a Darby Allen Sting energy to it, almost. The kind of unfancied members of groups of teams of stables who are just super well respected like good guys the types that outwork everyone like i could see something in that dynamic christian effectively has said he'll wrestle everybody but on night one picked up the belt and made it clear like that's what he's there for he'll just do it the old-fashioned way first um so i'd like to see maybe christian come to hangman pages aid here if and when he beats brian cage and there's a team taz beat down or whatever um because i think i think there's mileage in that i think there's a, an, a unique mini relationship to form away from hangman page in the dark order as relates to the aw world title um i expect hangman page to win but i just i think there's a lot of interesting characters on the outside of this match um that i'd like to see folded into it yeah there'll be a great deal of post-match here which i'm looking forward to but i'm looking forward to the match itself because i think so odd standards are just so all over the place not all over the place it's a word i'm looking for here standards are so well high that when hangman page has a not great match against max castle let's face it and a snake bit match against ricky starks hangman page in 2021 needs an unqualified success i really didn't think i would say that you know um like three four five weeks ago but like he kind of does and i think like in storyline, this acts as that because look at Brian Cage, look at how well I've established him, look at how cool Team Taz are. And in terms of the match itself, like it presents a massive challenge because it's just a, a massive visual sense of struggle and someone to actually beat. And they've perfectly embodied that in Brian Cage, who's an absolute muscle monster. Um, I've long loved the idea of Hangman Page just working anyone and just being so explosive and so powerful and time and everything. He's one of those guys who's so spectacular, and yet he's a perfect when to do it pro wrestler, which is the art of it all. And I just think a match against Brian Cage, if it reaches its potential, 
could be absolutely unbelievable. Just a total yeah. and utter like jaw rattling, like humdinger of a match. Like that page being so physical as he is, can get absolutely loads out of winning or surviving, as they will sell it on commentary. Um, if last week's was too snake bit to be the perfect vehicle to get people thinking Hangman Page is the guy for double or nothing, then this is probably the next best step. Yeah, a, that's why I was pitching it potentially as, a, as another m- main event because, like you say, I think these two are going to produce magic together. And I love the booking of of Christian Cage getting involved. And and my source are actually telling me there's another person uh, rumoured to be uh, potentially getting involved uh, and signing with AEW, and that's uh, Alex Riley, Rage. Uh, right, let's move on to <laughs> the next match. The TNT Sidri looks so disappointed in me. Uh, let's move on to the Say TNT. it to his face. Say it to his face. <laughs> TNT Championship match. Uh, Darby Allen, uh, well, not only, you know, oh, technically why the numbers is rating success, he's just producing magic week after week with these uh, TNT Championship matches, Sidri, and uh, he's got 10 tonight. Not 10 matches, the person 10, sorry. Yeah, they're not that desperate for ratings, but he could probably deliver them <laughs> if he had. Um, this is this is weird. This is one I'm really looking forward to, but not in the way you might think. I think he'll have better matches later this year. I think he's had better matches than this could possibly hope to be earlier this year. Last week, I spoke about how much I love the idea of Darby Allen specifically sharing, like, like, aggressive tweener championship qualities that Cody Rhodes had during their first TNT title run because it's just a small, wonderful wrinkle to acknowledge Look, just how much Darby Allen has ascended. He's doing what Cody did. And when they were first, even in like the homecoming episode, January 1st, 2020, before the whole world went crap, Darby Allen and, had a, and, Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes had a big 18-minute match on that first dynamite after the dismal dark order angle. And it was great, but you were still left with the idea of, I know what they're doing with Darby Allen. And I kind of believe it, but Cody's still like way up there. They are now, the parity's there. It's great. But here's the thing. This is a test for Darby Allen because if he is indeed there, he should be carrying and elevating someone as green and, you know, strong, like impressive physically as 10 is. But this is the time, like, if he's quite as good as everyone is saying he is, this Darby Allen, he should be able to work magic with someone that lower down than him. Um, I haven't seen a great deal of 10. And obviously I watch everything that AEW puts out. He's a specimen. Mm-hmm. He can do like really impressive things in the ring in terms of his strength without that ever sort of being threaded together into a great performance. He hasn't had that breakthrough match yet. If Darby Allen can do something really good with him tonight, it'll just be like Darby Allen will be absolutely off to the races as an absolutely undeniable future AEW world champion for me. This is a test, I think. Coffin drop the whole dark order, Michael Hamplet. Well, it'd be one of the safer ones he's ever done if he does, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's just run, this run is just clicking so much. Um, and it's matches like this that kind of quietly inform that because you kind of, like Cedric's point about this being a test, you kind of, um, you almost know more what you're getting with the big Darby Allen, Matt Hardy, anything goes setup than you do. Darby Allen needs to have eight great minutes against an unproven mid-carder on television. Like one has got a very obvious success rate compared to the risk of another. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are the ones that really are the making of a, of a future world champion. I, 
I'd like um, a little bit more. I th- like I've I have sort of stubbornly just come to really enjoy this TNT Championship reign over the course of like five or six weeks of them of him like really doing the work and the booking being strong. Um, I do hope that it's a, a fairly clear separation of Alan away from um, Hardy's stable and by having a link to the Dark Order. I, I do wonder about like if they'll just they'll choose chaos again and they'll just have people out there like you say a coffin drop on the dark order or whatever just numbers out there to, to bolster the presentation i'd like something a little bit more serious for darby allen's double or nothing direction in the event which i'm almost certain they'll do my daft idea of a title for title thing i don't think they would really um but i don't yet see that like proper awesome powerhouse singles pay-per-view title defense for darby allen yet and i'd, I'd like i'd like that to be made a little clearer because you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of bodies here I just hope the post-match stuff that they... Again, I've said that episodic to a fault. I don't necessarily need it. I would like the story beat to be, Jesus Christ, Darby Allen's up there now. He's up there. I would like that to just register in itself. You'll get your schmoz. You will get your schmoz because, mm-hmm. as you've said, there is a lingering thread now between the Hardy family office and the Dark Order. Yeah, you will see some of that. Maybe Sting... Oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> the more you say it, it's like, can we... Like just get to somehow a, a simpler Lance Archer match or something, you know, yeah. like there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we might we might get teased the, the dream match, and that is of course Sting versus Johnny Hungy. Uh, Sage, I know he's injured, but we could get that initial tease. That's a problem with how convoluted it sometimes is. Like, I don't want to see Sting have rubbish brawls with people I also want to like. Yeah, <laughs> Sting versus Luchasaurus, like. That one minute felt a little bit TNA. Mm. Don't put them together, you idiots. Like, I don't want to see that. So I don't want to see Sting have a fight with like Evil Uno or something like that. You know, I just don't want to see it. I want to see Sting bloodied and beaten down and powerbombed by Brian Cage. <laughs> like someone I want him to, whose ass I want him to kick. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the, to the real star of AEW Dynamite, and that is Alex Abrahantes. Uh, he'll be in the corner of Penta El Zero Miedo as he takes on Orange Cassidy. I can't get enough of this translated gimmick, I've got to be honest, Sige. Even though it's slightly divisive and people saying, you suck, your friends suck, and your mom sucks. I love it. I, I'm more of this sort of thing. I love the little cut-in promos as well. I think he nails it every time. I mean, let's face it, that line only worked because of who's Trent's mom specifically yeah. is, and they would never have done it without it being a reference to the most beloved parent, not to Hamlet's mind. He's a more of a Ruthie guy than a Sue guy. <laughs> yeah, I expect the interpreter gimmick to play a part in this match. I'm really not sure what to expect from here. I'm almost sad that this match is like going to go 10 minutes and have a break in the middle of it because this dynamic is awesome. You've got the guy who will just graze the calves of anybody versus the guy whose calves you just don't, not his. <laughs> it's Penta, he'll break your arm, you slacker bastard. You know what I mean? Like this could work as something far greater than a Dynamite mid-card match, even though Dynamite is in such great form that a Dynamite mid-card match is often outstanding. Um, this could be an event a show, and maybe one day it might again but I just feel like this, because of the time it'll be allocated and what it's building towards, we'll probably get like one of these increasingly fuzzy finishes. They're still decisive enough. They're clever enough to build the story 
with the schmozzers, but then do an extra two minutes of a match so it's not quite the finish. So they're getting away with certain stuff on this show, no matter how rich the vein of form it is in. Yeah, I just think this will be more fun than good when it could be both as an actual main event level attraction. Yeah, it's it's a, a very minor, I think, indictment on how 2020 went for these two as single stars because I can only visualise this in a, a pre-pandemic like arena on a pay-per-view. There's something about these two names in particular that makes you flash back to the early days of um, AEW and who you would imagine like reaching a certain, like, again, no COVID, where you would have imagined people to be by 2021. And this feels like a singles pay-per-view match to determine like a number one contender or something. Can't believe we've reached the point where Penta and Orange Cassidy are going to fight to see who's going to face Kenny Omega for the world title. And instead it's kind of a, a secondary concern to a big trios match, isn't it? Uh, this is this is a match to, like, I, I won't say match to build match because they've done some work in assembling the best friends in the death triangle as, as rivals. Was it not the death triangle that were going to give their first shot of their newly won tag belts to the best friends if they'd beaten the young bucks? Yes. You know, there's that, that sort of things there. Um, Alex Abrahantos will surely create eventual dissension between the babyface arm of the death triangle and Penta. Like eventually, I, I sense that's that's going to come. He's going to talk about Pax accent or something like that. I was that. literally about to say that. Like, he translates. Like, Pax does a promo in English. Yeah, Pax says, <laughs> yeah, sh- "Shall I be your interpreter as well, Big Man?" Or something like that. I just like watch, <laughs> watch Pax just seethe quietly him or something. Um, yeah, so like that. That best friends um, death triangle match is all right, and as a result, I think this single splinter from it is just all right too. I want um, the slow motion thumb going up against. Penta Zero Miedo bit. You know, like again with a hot crowd and a pay-per-view, it goes down way better. But I'll I'll just take that and the rest, the rest is gravy. Who wins for both of you on this one? You might get a little bit of even Stevens here with a purpose. You want to you want to establish the idea that when they do the trios match, either side could win. So with the idea being that Penta beat Trent last week, I would say Casty gets the win here. I, I dare I say, I think Orange Cassidy kind of needs the win mm. a little more as well. Yeah, I think I can see him. This, this sounds horrible because of the WWE connotations, but maybe Cassidy potentially steals one here and then you get a breathless Penta says promo. But I, I don't know. I, I pulled the same face as you pulled there, Sige, as I said that. So, so you, can, you can win suddenly with a legitimate pinning technique. Yes. Yeah. yeah All yeah. in the selling. I don't want to see Orange Cassidy bail out the ring like a rat and celebrate like a legitimate win as if it isn't. God, I hate WWE. Like, it Absolute wasn't... Arseholes. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't very, like, psychologically sound, but it wasn't presented as Cody stealing one off Penta, was it? When they had their match. Like, that, he just, he kind of, like, caught him. He didn't he didn't steal it. He just caught him with a pinfall in the moment. Like, so, yeah, I'd, like, Orange Cassidy could do the same, even if he's had his arm worked on like Cody did. I'm going to be really disappointed if they don't do Alex Abrahantes translating compact now. Because I just I just remember when we first moved up here, we signed up for the gym. The, the girl on the counter, they had a little, you know, one of those little webcams where they, they take your picture so they know who you are when you're checking into the gym. And they said to the missus, they said, she's going, oh, I can just take your photo. Like. And I was just like, ah, just, just take your photo. What? 
just can I just take you? I was like, she's just wants to take your photo, love. Just didn't didn't translate to her to a poor little brummy lass. Uh, right, let's talk about the Nightmare Family versus the Factory. Uh, it is Dustin Rhodes, Billy Gunn, and Lee Johnson versus Cutie Marshall, Nick Comaroto, and Aaron Solo, uh, with of course Anthony Agogo in their corner. Is he going to be the difference maker, Hamlet? I hope so. Um, great combinations for this match. Um, I had to, you put these two titles in the preview and then I went and had a look at who the teams were and I love it because it's just a little bit of what you want um, with more one day to come. Like, I want Lee Johnson to get his hands specifically on QT Marshall, but he's not going to, is he? He's going to get, he's going to get uh, the odd shot in, but ultimately QT Marshall is going to put his troops in front of a Lee Johnson because he's somebody to actually, as we've seen, feel very, very threatened by. Um, they're going to try and use their youth and their pace on a Dustin Rhodes and as heels always do they're going to patronise him and not realise what he's got in the tank um, but I want a finish virtually identical um, to what we've had the last couple of weeks with a go-go I want that I want that a gut punch to work I want a go-go to be the danger um, on let's say let's say Dustin Rhodes actually um, you have the opportunity here to do a lot for people in a very simplistic fashion. If Agogo punches Dustin Rhodes in the stomach and Aaron Solo pins Dustin Rhodes, there's so many people that can lay claim to so much with hardly anybody getting damaged. And I think that's like, <laughs> this is becoming a weekly thing. It's why it's great to have loads of stables, isn't it? Like, because you have different yes. combinations of tag matches, loads of people get over. Nobody needs to be protected in that WWE way because you can just deliver finishes. So yes, that would be my preferred thing here is that Solo is probably the one because Agogo's got the punches, Komaroto only needs to stand there to be awesome. Yes. Um, and Aaron Solo, until further notice, is a wrestler's ex-boyfriend. So they need to like, they need to push him to not be one, to not be that. Um, and this is probably like an easy way to get there from. Nick Komaroto looks terrifying on his photo for the AEW roster. I was having a look earlier on today and I was like, Jesus Christ, he comes out of the screen at you. Uh, yeah, Sidge, before I get your thoughts on this, uh, I... I mentioned last week, and this is again a very backhanded compliment to everyone involved of that being like they've got me excited about QT Marshall versus Billy Gunn. They've got me excited again again about this about this trios match, and now now I'm fantasy booking stuff in my head where like QT Marshall's in the ring wrestling. I don't know Billy Gunn after Nick Comaretto's taken his head off, and you can just set. I love this new gimmick from QT Marshall and and how how big he thinks he is, and him just turning to Lee Johnson going, ah, you remember my name now, don't you, you dickhead? Or something like that. What do you reckon uh, happens tonight, Sige? The analogy I'm going to make here is that you can spend hours, as I have done on easier Sunday afternoons, however many years ago, just cooking, preparing ingredients, marinades, all the rest of it, and then you eat it and it takes about three minutes. It's just so much easier to eat when you've been enjoyable to eat when you've spent all of that time preparing everything. This food is completely in the oven now. It's in the oven. It's right. Let's get out and eat or on various hobs and in bowls. So you know, <laughs> can actually cook. They've set up everything perfectly where they've got so much to play with now. And that is the benefit of creating well thought out storylines with several players involved because you can use those players as story beats you can have Comoroto be just all he needs to be for now is this big dumb grunt who is susceptible to being outwitted because yes he can take a chair to the face but you know he struggles when someone's faster than him. he struggles when someone can like use their superior technique to outwit him 
the idea now is that because he's been established as this badass who can take a chair to the dome and be fine, it's going to be all the more impressive when Lee Johnson gets a comeback on him. And it's going to be all the more despairing when QT Marshall recognizes this threat and things. Well, I'm just, I'm not getting in his way at all. I'm going mm-hmm. to tag someone else in or I'm going to lean back um, when he tries to take a swing at me. And when he tries to take a swing at me and I lean back and the referee gets involved, that's when a go-go can punch Johnson in the ribs. You can get Johnson versus QT. You can do Johnson versus a go-go. You can, those matches can be interchangeable. You can do several more tags. I've even mentioned Cody's name yet. Mm-hmm. Like it's just everything's in the oven, ready to be eaten now. Uh, the final match to talk about tonight: Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlander. WWE is McCain chips. <laughs> analogy: You can eat them whenever you want, but they're crap, so you don't really want to. Uh, what do you see happening here? And not to disregard the match itself, Sige, but do you see the, the Kip Sabian? Uh, Miro stuff happening alongside this? I really hope not because I don't want to see Miro Kipsabian and a member of the Best Friends sharing the same screen ever again. Look, it's episodic wrestling TV. We'll probably see something along those lines. Um, I think this will be criminally short and another sad use of Penelope Ford who deserved so much more of a shot after that Sheeta match. So much more of a shot after that Cheetah match last year. She didn't get it. I think she is going to be utilized here as a... Remember Chris Statlander? She was really good. Here she is, back again. I think uh, Penelope Ford is just going to be cannon fodder for that specific purpose in a short match. And I've got no idea what the post-match is. But I guess it's always good to varying degrees... Like, you know, there's going to be a post-match. There's always something. There's always some kind of cause and effect and some kind of splinter, some kind of offshoot. I don't really know what that is. Truth be told, I'm not that interested. But there's always something, and it's good that a wrestling show can make you think of what's next for every single character on it. Sorry, I've zoned out thinking in the cane chips. I'm going to have for my tea. Um, I- With knee sauce. If, uh, two pieces of barely buttered bread. Um, it's the... Like tell, the, us, tell us you like butter. Oh, I do like butter, yeah. So, you know, I know mostly something. If I didn't like, like a condiment and I like butter, I would put a lot of butter on there. That's what I would <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much what happens. Um, <laughs> body by butter. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, the, I feel quite sad that my first thought went to, like when you were teeing, um, Sidgwick Will, uh, Will on, was the idea of maybe like Kip Sabian being there for Penelope Ford off the back of a defeat. And then Miro just kind of like washing his hands of the whole thing. And that being Miro's, like, and like proper physically abusing Kip Sabian in the process. Like, they're not even going to feud. That that idea is like patronising to Miro, this guy that's going to become a championship hunter or whatever his game is now. Um, like, that was my first thought too. I couldn't, unfortunately, see an angle spinning off for the women, other than this being the quarter hour victory for Chris Statlander to pay off. Like, let's be honest, it's not a few, but it was just an excellent reintroduction of Statlander. Like, they found a way to bring her in perfectly. Absolutely sublime. So you get this match that shows, like, a little slither of loyalty to that. And I oh, probably, like, probably an angle more to do with the men than the women. This is it's that quite sad quarter-hour stuff, isn't it? I hope, that, I hope that elsewhere on the show, in stuff that we haven't spoke about or matches that we can't preview, I hope there's build 
to for Britt Baker and for Shida. Yeah. What's next for Conti or whatever? Like you know, as they've done like the vignettes for Jade Cargill, for example, stuff like that. Tell me some more stories from this division because this match doesn't feel like it's got much of a one attached to it. Nope. Anything that gets me to be able to watch that clip of Chris Sattler holding the plexiglass into banana <laughs> is all right by me because it's such a great shot. But yeah, I think it's just going to be a pretty much straightforward victory for Chris Statlander. That one. Uh, final word. Any 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 other response, uh, Sid, from the elite regarding Moxley and Kingston destroying their trailer last week? Um. Unless it's tied into the end of the book side dial match, you might get an inset promo of some description. But I just want to either see a super elite beat down or the I want to see Kenny Omega in the same promo as he's cutting the promo with the belts in front of his face, which I do legitimately want to see. That's not a facetious, stupid idea. Um, maybe something like that, because you go and Two weeks because Bloodworks is the one man one match show without yeah. any kind of follow up on a program that feels like and it won't be but it feels like it's sprawling so outwardly that it needs to be brought together in time for the pay per view. Mm. WWE have broken everyone's brains. They are going to do this. They are. It just doesn't feel like they are because it hasn't felt for the longest time like we can have good things. We've had good things for a year and a half. Did we should be over this by now. Did Kingston nick any shoes last week? I remember he was looking to steal some. I'd love for him to wear, to yeah. wrestle the match wearing them. <laughs> yeah. I'd like, him, would. I'd like for him to wrestle for the next year in them because that's what normal people do when they spend $2,000 or whatever it is on those bloody shoes. Anything else you want to add, Tampa? Um, Kenny's pre-tape could take place in a new, obviously we know it's pre-taped, but a new truck that they say that they made Impact pay for for their world champion. Or something like yeah. that. Like Don Callis funded a brand new truck. Can afford. Yeah, and it's <laughs> a crap right, trailer. Get what you're given. It's like some absolute... <laughs> Just like rubbish, moulding fruit in the bowl or something like that. Come on, Don. It's a caravan that they've managed to commandeer for, for Kenny Omega and the rest of the elite. Uh, right, let us know your thoughts ahead of AW Dynamite tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Why well, should they can follow all three of us? You can follow Michael Hamplett at... Michael Hamflet. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Our review of NXT last night is available right now. And our review of this show will, of course, be available tomorrow. But for now, this has been the AW Dynamite preview. My thanks to the Daddy Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.